You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you're doing well. And I hope you're ready to learn about homeownership. So this week's episode is a little bit different. We've had some fun talks about very uh, lofty, abstract, and esoteric concepts like the law of attraction. Uh, We've gotten to talk with our internet boyfriend and talk about dating relationships with James Tang. We're going to get a little practical here because if you've been following along on my journey... Y'all know that I've dropped uh, bits and pieces about becoming a homeowner and what a semi-traumatic experience that was for me. <laughs> so this is uh, an episode that I was so excited to bring my my old friend, Kenneth Err, Ken, uh, to the show to be you know a subject matter expert and educate us a bit on something that was like such an interesting milestone experience for me. I basically was just completely unprepared to become a homeowner, and um, I still feel a lot of imposter syndrome, even though I've been a homeowner for four years, and I'm looking to invest in other properties. Like, real estate is something that I think is really fun, but also still really intimidating. So this is for anybody out there, because in our society, at least in the States where I reside, it has become such a an interesting conversation because of the wealth disparity and just because of the generational expectations that have changed. And we still aspire for this really big milestone in our lives to like own our own homes. And yet, at least for me, I was so ignorant to the entire process of it. Um, And I'm still trying to honestly learn from what I went through so that I can be better prepared for the next thing and also wonder like how I want to observe it and learn and teach it to my children in the future. So for all intents and purposes and for all the listeners out there who are either homeowner and need someone to commiserate with them, or if you are thinking about it and you're curious about it, intimidated by it, this is why we're here, is to help shed some light and hopefully educate you a little bit and share some of my ridiculous stories so you can learn from my mistakes. That's all. So really excited to bring Ken into the podcast and uh, just a little bit about him before we dive into the episode. Ken is an Oakland native. He's a Bay Area realtor um, focusing on the East Bay Area, which is where I grew up and I went to college there. And he's a senior sales associate with Compass. He has his own team of realtors under the ER group at Compass and like oversees a team of six. So he just he teaches a lot of people through written uh, written content and video newsletters about market trends and listings. And so I subscribe because he's my friend. I support him and watch his career grow so much because he started out flipping houses. And um, yeah, he's had eight years of experience, experience and he sold houses like from everything from like a $600,000 house to $10 million homes. It's insane. And I've just learned a lot by being in his orbit and in his newsletter. And uh, yeah, I actually know Ken because we met through my friend Dora. And I know both Ken and Dora through my ex-boyfriend from when I was in my mid-20s. What's up, Jordan? Hope you're doing well. Uh, We ended things amicably. He's married and has a family. It's wonderful. But um, that's how I met Ken and Dora. And they remained my friends. And we've been, um, you know, social media buds for years at this point. They have a beautiful family. And I've watched Ken's career grow and uh, learned a lot from him. So I just wanted to bring him on the show to help 
enlighten all of us. So I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. And I hope that it's educational, inspirational, and uh, cathartic for anybody who needs it. So without further ado, here's my episode on home ownership with my friend Ken Err. Enjoy. Came in 88 with a dream of so bright eyed. They knew right away, sink or swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Nobody's feeling Welcome to First of All, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, it's so, this is like a reunion episode. I think we're fast. I don't know when I last like saw you or got to talk to you. I think it's like 10 years, maybe ish. Maybe not quite 10 years. I think Dora and I have been dating for, or we've been together for about 10 years. And we saw you somewhere in between. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was at your wedding. Yeah, so it's it's close though. Which is, honestly, your wedding was beautiful. Now that it's all flooding back to me, it was such a lovely, lovely party. It was so much fun. Yeah. You guys, you guys are so sweet. And I, I know we're here to talk about like homeownership and real estate, but you know, I'm going to weasel that in. I still want to know like, the love story. I, I always try to find out everybody's love story, no matter what the topic is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did, you know, I had my spiel, my intro earlier, and I, I shared how we we know each other, which is through Dora and through my my ex, uh, Jordan. What's up, Jordan? I don't know if he, I doubt he <laughs> listens to this. <laughs> I still um, talk to him. Oh, yeah? Is yeah. he doing well? Yeah, he's doing well. He's a dad now? This yeah. is wild? Yeah. So crazy. And your dad? It's yep. crazy. Uh, yeah. So as you and I, 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 I share that because like, that's a touchstone of like, we met and we're friends in our twties and that was definitely like a different time. Right. I think it was like, we're all oh, getting so, situated. So much fun and carefree. How would you describe it, Ken? Like, I actually would love to hear from your side. Like when we all hung out and we're friends, like, what do you say our origin story is? If oh. you care to share. Sorry. I, I, I disconnected my mic for a second. Oh, no worries. Can you repeat that? Um, I'm curious if you are open to sharing your perspective. Like, what was your, what's your version of our origin story of that time in our lives when you started dating Dora? We're taking like snowboarding trips and stuff like that. Yeah, how I would- mean that. That's basically how how we met. Is uh, you know, kind of same circle of friends, and I think I knew like Tim or someone in that circle, <laughs> and you know, circles overlap and. Um, yeah, newbies we did coming a lot. to the circle. Yeah, we we did a lot together. That was a really golden time. Yeah, good memories, yeah, good times for sure. When okay, since that time is like when I think a lot of our respective lives were in our mid and late twenties, and like figuring out careers. We had several friends who are like in the medical field. They're all you know like doing their med school stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. And what the heck was I doing? That wasn't even mid. We were in like, yeah, early mid 20s. Um, when were you always like interested in real estate? I'm very curious about this origin story because I've only like seen your ascent, if you will, and been like on the sidelines watching you become this badass realtor. When did you become interested? When was that? When had that become a thing? If you can so, just get to know Ken. I'm really bad with dates. Okay. Um, I think I'm so I, now I'm in my ninth year of real estate sales. So I've been licensed for this is my ninth year. Um, but before that, I, I think this is like after the economy crashed and I wasn't really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out of college and a family friend was like, hey, I'm raising a fund. Um, we're going to flip some houses. And she's like, why don't you just come along and learn with me? Wow. And 
uh, and, and literally like, okay, well, I'm not doing anything else at the time. And I'm just like, okay, I'll just, you know, she just like calls me whenever she has meetings with contractors. And so I slowly got more and more involved. And then uh, after a few houses, uh, I got more involved. And so we raised a second fund um, and where at this point I was like actively involved managing projects and stuff. So uh, very, very hands on. And I think we went on for like another two years or so. And, you know, the market was kind of iffy at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had been in a real estate agent for, I don't know, like a decade now at that point. And she's like, okay, you know, I'm kind of done with real estate. Why don't you get your license and you can sell our projects? Oh. And so um, I, I became the listing agent of our last two or three projects. And then, you know, we, we shut our fund down. We, we did very, very well for investors. And then from there, I just kind of became an agent. So it was a very like uh, organic growth process, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the last couple of projects that we sold, of course, it's like, you know, as, as a new agent, you can only dream of selling these like beautifully remodeled properties. And like, you know, you get all this, uh, uh, attention, you know, you get eyeballs on your listings. It looks good. Uh And, um, you know, that leads to more business. Yeah, for sure. Especially, I feel like, I mean, I'll say this, why I'm so interested in this topic and making a whole episode out of it is that like in another world, I mentioned this to you earlier, like I think I would have really liked being a realtor or working in real estate because I don't know if it's, I'm a cancer, you know, I said, Me I too. This way. <laughs> you are, oh I yeah, am. <laughs> Ken, we're cancer I love it. Oh, I love it. But we're very big homebodies, like home and like, um, our security and like a very, like there's the renegades of the Zodiac, if you will. There's a lot of people that, you know, care about luxury and all that. And there's not, you know, you can also love security and luxury. It does not exclusive, but, um, our signs, if you believe in that stuff and subscribe it, we're very like, we care a lot about the environment in which we're at. We care about like, we're more likely to like nest and care about our home situation. And I always really cared about anybody else's home situation because your environment is so influential on like your well-being, yeah. like your happiness in life. So I've always just been curious and like into homes and even office spaces, like anywhere you spend a good amount of time. Yeah. I, even commercial spaces, like cafes. I'm I love all of it because I'm so like it's the aesthetic part with design, but it's also just like, what's the vibe here? And how do yeah. you create that? How you that? feel when you're there, right? Yeah. Oh, God, this is so fun. I, I actually <laughs> never knew that about cancers, but it's so true because I'm totally a homebody. Yeah. We're, we're not the, we're not the, we got, home's got to be good. Yeah. It's kind of like an yeah. a, a integral part of yeah. our nature, supposedly. Huh. We're discovering new, new layers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So when you were like, so... Did, was it ever kind of like in your, so was it, it doesn't sound like it was like in your kind of like life vision, I guess, originally, no, maybe in like not, college. You were, not at all. Okay. I mean, what like, was it? I, I think, I, I mean, I think everyone has some sort of intrigue about real estate because, you know, it's all around you and yeah, you know, yeah. people always talk about it. But um, I went to college thinking that I would be in finance. Like, oh. uh, you know, Wall Street or wealth management or something like that. But of course, okay. I graduated in 2007 and the, special times. You know, the, yeah, you know, the market <laughs> just completely collapsed. And, yeah. uh, you know, that you, you just kind of have to change what you want to do. I have to adapt. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's so interesting. And so you basically just like took an opportunity that was presented to you and ran with it. Yeah, which is I dope. Beat sitting at home at the time doing nothing. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not doing nothing, but like you know, nothing that like excited me. Right. So did it engage you when you first like got into the scene? Because I think here's the other reason why like I I love to talk about real estate or just want love for you to like educate me further in like your universe. I think to a lot of people in the outside world, and I don't know if you felt this way, but it's really intimidating. You know what I mean? It's very like, we know it because like you said, we're immersed in it. There's always signs and like, we know like the places that we are walking into and sitting in and renting or whatever, that there's whole like ecosystem of how it exists. But I think for those who are not familiar, especially like young adults and even adults our age, there's still adults that are still really intimidated by it um, and don't understand how it really works completely. And Mm -hmm. it's because it involves, it's such a personal part of our lives and it's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All those things involved, it can be intimidating. So I'm curious, like once you like enter that space, did you feel like it was like a good fit? Because if you're already interested in finance, it sounded like you would be. Yeah, I mean, explaining, uh, you know, learning it, learning it, first of all, um, you know, I I don't think it's too difficult, at least for me, it wasn't because finance background, but, Uh um, you know, we're fortunate enough that my parents, uh, they own their own home. And so like that, that was just like a natural thing that like you, you had to buy a home, you know, Mm -hmm. that's part of the life process you buy a home. Right. Um, but learning it and then, you know, explaining to clients, it, it honestly shouldn't be intimidating it's at the end of the day like buying a home can be very simplistic Um, right it's it's all the details that whether you care about them or not you know the contractual stuff and whatever got it i mean those are big words though that i think maybe the contractual stuff anything that goes into like contingencies and your you know the escrow and like the what all that stuff like again i can tell you stories man we'll get that (laughs) yeah but um yeah, I, that's, I think that's great. And so that, I think that's why it's like you fit that arena well, because you weren't, it didn't, it didn't like sway you. And it's sometimes something intimidating can be the thing that attracts people to. They're like, oh, this is challenging. Like, let me get into it and learn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How would you explain it? Do you find like, now this is turning into an interview, me grilling Ken. When <laughs> you, when you um, became a realtor and you're starting to work with clients, like are, I'm wondering from your data collection of your work, are people well versed? Do they do they come to you knowing what the hell they're talking about, or are they mainly like in the middle, or like you have to educate them? I think you know nowadays, like inf- there's so much information out there that, mm-hmm. uh, especially like you know, being uh, I guess the end of a millennial, um, we're so into <laughs> tech, and you know, everyone everyone's good at gathering information. So I'd I'd say that the vast majority of the people I work with are around the same same age group, uh-huh. and they've done a ton of research in advance. Nice. Uh, of course, there are ones that are you know more experienced. They're buying their second or third home, and then there are the ones the other ones who are like, I don't know a single thing. You know, explain everything to me, and so they're all across the board. Um, right. But information is so widely available now that everyone comes into it with at least some sort of knowledge, whether it's right or wrong. They they know something <laughs> or they heard from an uncle or an aunt or, you know, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad people are doing their homework. And I do think it's kind of like a separate group that's like if you're in a place to like buy property. Mm-hmm. 
that it's it is different that like again I was like the perpetual renter so that's why I think it's very funny to me when I look back I'm like how all my life has played out and I'm now sitting in a condo that I own um I was not aiming for that I was not really thinking about that I was really just in a perpetual student lifestyle of like hopping around from renting apartments so I think that was like not my barrier of entry, just like I felt like it was really abrupt when I suddenly had to start thinking of all these things. And uh-huh. funnily that you mentioned because of like how you grew up with your parents owning a house that you just expected to buy one. And I think deep down I kind of did too, yet I had no understanding of how it actually worked. Um, so when I it, when I came upon it, I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what so so what, what made you, you know... You, I, yeah, you, you said you're always renting, but like you were always like hustling. You're always doing something yeah. and you moved from the Bay Area to L.A. But what made you decide to like, OK, I'm going to buy a home now? Well, funny. See the, how that came upon me was like it was crisis mode with uh, my parents because they for a number of reasons, they um, they had our house in our in in the Bay Area in Pleasanton. And they sold it. My dad sold it like without, I mean, we had a lot of options. This is the interesting thing. We can go into so many different chapters and segues or uh, trend, uh, what do you call it? Tangents. Because my dad, like we could have rented it. We could have, there's a lot of different things, refinanced it, all this stuff. But he decided mm-hmm. to sell it. Not, I don't think at the best time, but we had this money and then like, Money, what I'm also realizing, this is a whole other episode that I've done, is just money is such an emotional thing. It's deeply psychological and deeply emotional, right? So like how people shop and how they spend money and make these really big decisions, um, they're not always made with like a totally sound logical mind. A lot of times we'll make these decisions really like emotionally Mm because you're like worried about the economy or you're scared about your kid's future, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, my parents like sold the house well, we didn't think it was the best at the kids. We didn't think it was the best idea, but that's, that was a decision. And they're like, okay, we have this money from this house. They were like trying to figure out, should we move to Korea? Like they're figuring out all these like very lofty ideas of their future and uh-huh. retiring, which they weren't even ready to retire. Anyway, it was not a good time. <laughs> like, <laughs> sort of like, why are you selling this house? You know? Um, but they sold it. And then they're like, okay, we need to do something with the money. And I was the only child of my three, you know, I have two brothers. I was the only one that was situated in some place for a long period of time. My brothers were also like in transition. They're like, Mm -hmm. well, I don't know if we're going to stay in California and my little brother's in the military, like all this stuff. So I was like, all right, I guess it's me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wanted to help my parents too. So I like, you know, jumped in and I was like, I guess I'll get a condo. (laughs) Like, okay. And that was like, and we hit the ground running And my mom's a very action-oriented person. So she was, like, kind of rushing things, per se. Uh Like, I don't know rushing, per se, but, like, she was just like, let's get it done. Let's get it done. And then my dad was like, let's think about all the options and lay (laughs) them all. And I was so opposing energies. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you guys, but all right. And so I just kind of went with that very chaotic flow. And that's how I became a homeowner. Everyone has a different story. It works. Yeah, we'll say, if you want to say that it worked, Ken, I will go with that. <laughs> How long have you been in your place now? Uh, four and a half, almost five years. Good so, experience? Mostly, mostly. I mean, I, again, I just like, no, well, yeah. It's called, I'm writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really, com- I just, I had a lot of uh, drama with my 
HOA. Yeah. And, HOAs uh, are not fun. Yeah. And my dad had said that, but me being my rebels, I like didn't listen to him. And also houses were so expensive in LA that again, all these different things I was learning in real time is that, okay, we have this much money. We have X amount of money to put as a down payment. But realizing I was learning like, okay, you need to have at least this much money if you want to get a piece of property worth this much, right? And in yeah. California, our real estate is ridiculously, ridiculously high. Yeah. So your down payment has to be very, very big to be like whatever, 10% of the value of the home to be even competitive, even to be considered. Um, so we are learning, I was learning very fast that I was like, oh, we don't have enough cash to like get a house house, which was originally the dream. And we had to like make, we had to settle a little bit. Which I'm not upset about, but my parents had their opinions. And one of the issues was like, no HOAs. HOAs are... I, I think that's just an old school like way of thinking. Is it? Okay, please. Yeah, yeah please I, enlighten I, me. I think so. Just like they kind of... I think that uh, maybe the older generation is just like, oh, that's a waste of money or or whatever. But, you know, it it, it comes with its advantages. I mean, uh-huh. I, I'm, not, I'm not a lover of HOAs either, but... Uh-huh. Um, you know, especially for, for someone who's younger, like not having to do any maintenance is pretty nice. Right. It's basically like you're renting. Like. Yeah. I, but, but you're just taking care of, you know, your unit and everything else is someone else's problem. Can you explain it to our younger un, uneducated? I'm telling you, not that long ago, I was the complete, like, <laughs> what the hell is an HOA? I had heard of this thing before and honestly, in a lot of negative vibes I got from it. But how would you explain an HOA? So uh, HOA is like, a ho- it's, it's called a homeowners association and they basically set the rules. Uh, if it's a, like a condo building or a townhouse complex, they set the rules of what you can and cannot do. So if you mm-hmm. buy a condo, you're only, you only actually op- own uh, the walls in. So mm-hmm. the, everything inside the walls, you know, the hallways, the common areas are all owned by the HOA. So you pay your monthly dues and they maintain it and, you know, they spend the money and do whatever they do and, you know, Tell where you, tell you where you can park and where you can't park and stuff like that. Trash towers, uh, tra- trash exactly, yeah. <laughs> but the idea is that you know they keep keep things running well and help maintain um, you know a certain level of uh, owner occupants, uh, not too many renters in the building, or and mm. then, you know they keep up with all the maintenance, painting and roof and mm-hmm. all the things that you know you don't have to do. That's a very lovely, eloquent way to put it. <laughs> Mine is just like I say, it's like the mini government. They're the little. It, it kind of is. They're the building government, and, and they so like, make their rules. There's like you know, there's like the Swedens, where they are, <laughs> or, or Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, neutral. Yeah. And then and then there's like the the Russias of the world or Chinas mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Ken. <laughs> it sounds like you're in one of those. Well, it was interesting. Uh, this is why I have stuff to write about. And I think it's hilarious now. But at the time when I, I was so confused, this is why I love having you here with this calming energy you have with this like all knowing enlightenment you could give to us. It's just like, it was such a stressful experience for me. I was genuinely like, as you said, I was hustling. So I had a lot going on in my regular life. And then to embark on this thing with like, the stakes were really high for me because I felt responsible for like helping out my parents and like doing right with this money that they're entrusting me with. Right. It's not a small amount of money Mm -hmm. and making the right decision and being so like clueless in how it went. I, I felt a lot of pressure and really stressed out. And then so 
it, it turned out fine. I got, you know, but like I'll say the condo that I, I got, it's it's beautiful. It's re- well located. It's you know gone up in value quite a bit. Like I chose well in that regard, but also um, the developer, there were, there were some legal issues with how the person that made this building. And apparently this is a wider prolific problem in Los Angeles. There's tons of developers that just like make like subpar properties. Also like litigation for construction defect. Yeah, like so, they so, they had a huge lawsuit. So your your HOA <laughs> has like an obligation to sue the builder. Yeah, every every, every condo building will go through this uh, within that ten year. There's a ten year statute of limitations for construction defect claims. <gasps> I didn't know that. And so every new condo building, condos, townhouses, whatever, um, and and sometimes some single family homes, but. Um, they, your HOA will always sue the builder. And so during this time, they'll find out about all the things that uh, the the builder did wrong, whether it's like the windows weren't installed properly or, you know, there's cracks <gasps> in the roof for the settling in the building. You, everyone goes through this. And, you know, uh, during that time, it sucks for uh, people trying to buy the property because you most lenders can't lend uh on the building that's going through litigation. Some can, but so it makes it harder for a buyer to buy and it makes it harder for a seller to sell. And so during this period of time, uh, property values typically go down in, in um, condo buildings with construction defect. Um, but it well, all yeah. eventually gets settled uh, for better or worse. There's some times where there's, you know, good builder, they're still in business, they have the money, they pay out the claim, the insurance company pays out the claim, the HOA takes the money and fixes the problem. Um, there's also times where the builder's out of business and there is no money to fix it. And then you, the condo owners, left holding bag. Ser- oh, oh my God. Ken, you just changed my life in the last 90 seconds. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that this was a common thing. This is why I wanted you here. <laughs> like when you go through it and you think, I think anything in life, when you think you're the only one and you don't have the context of like, oh, this is how it usually happens, it feels and adds so much more stress and confusion and like i'm i'm the bio nerd right like you're the finance guy and i was like when i think of the body and how we react to stressful situations and once it reaches a certain threshold of like stress for whatever reason because it's like your family you know legacy on the line and you you don't make that much money this is like your entire life savings whatever it's a very big deal for a lot of people mm-hmm. and once your body reaches a certain threshold of stress you're not able to make like good decisions you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. your body's in flight or flight mode so these things really matter that education i think really matters because you're dealing with something so big in decision and impact and then like so personal that yeah. i think it's so good that I don't know. You're doing the Lord's work, Ken. I'm just so <laughs> grateful for you. Thank you. That automatic, I mean, this is, this is, and we're talking about something that happened four and a half years ago, but I still like hold against this developer because what I learned from that lawsuit, which happened before I moved in and all the defects I found in this space, including like the glass, I'm telling you everything from the, the blinds he put in the window that are too heavy so that they broke from the cheapskate, uh, like air conditioning install units that use, um, cause I'm an environmentalist, if you will, low key, you know, he uses, it was, uh, using coolant that's no longer manufactured cause it's really bad for the environment mm-hmm. and it's hot as balls up here in this part of LA. Like we're pumping AC from 40 units and it's like, you know, terrible coolant that's being pumped into the atmosphere. And I feel guilty every time, 
You know, I'm like, we're using these, these old, ver- anyway, he was a cheapskate, right? They, they yeah. do everything to like save money in the development side. And then they're flipping it. They're trying to like sell it for the high, to the highest bidder. I had like my, my shower explode on me. The shower door, oh. Ken, the glass. My ex and I were like trying to fix the door because it was installed poorly. And then I found it, it exploded. The glass door exploded on both of us. We're covered in like cuts and like standing in a pool of glass. It was, if my eyes were open, like, I don't even know if like I had a pet, if I had children, like so, this, so this stuff is terrifying. Actually, that's actually tempered glass is designed to break that way so it doesn't hurt you. Got it. Yeah. I didn't know, but it's terrified me. <laughs> it is scary. It sounds like, it, it sounds exactly like an explosion. It, it exploded. And then when I got it replaced, which I had to then go in my bag and spend money oh. to replace it because I had no shower, right? Like yeah. they told me, they're like, this is illegal. The thinness of this glass oh. that this guy installed in this like frameless shower that I had is very pretty. But uh. they're like, this is not legal. But state of California, he should have known this. Any person that installed this should have known this is too thin to not have a frame. Yeah. So stuff like that. So yeah. you're, I have many more stories where I won't, I won't bore you with that, but like stuff like that, it was an accumulation. This is again in my, that was in like my fourth year of owning this place. I was just so tired of paying money <laughs> out of my pocket because I, A, I didn't know better. I didn't know what the codes are. And a lot of people out there don't, right? Yeah. So you're dealing with a lot of people that are eagerly trying to do this milestone. They saved up they worked their butts off, you know, to save that money, sacrificed, you know, luxuries and pleasure, pleasures to like get to that point. And then when you spend it, you want to spend it on like something good, right? Yeah, something yeah. that's going to like be good for your life that you go home to every day that you yeah. sleep in. So again, you know, the Lord's un- work, Ken. <laughs> unfortunately, it's like, this is, this is one of those things too. And I, I think that we have clients that take this all different ways, but okay, it's, Unfortunately, it's cost of home ownership. Even though it's a condo, you know, you have less maintenance. There are things, things break. Even new houses have things that break, right? Hopefully right. you're under warranty or whatever, but things break all the time. And you just, you have to be okay with that going into to owning a home. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I think uh, I knew conceptually, but then when <laughs> the bill comes. But when it happens to you. Like, oh no. Can you, okay, so I know we're going a little, we're hopping over the place, all over the place, but can you, because I know that we're, we're talking about a lot of things that maybe people out there don't, are they're not familiar with because they haven't done that research yet. Mm. But I also, because I consider all the the 20-something year olds that listen to this podcast and that were like, if they were in the same place as me and I was like completely a blank, <laughs> too much of a blank slate when it came to that. When you as a realtor talk to somebody, like you, you have a client, how do they... How do they even like find you? Like, I'm sure it's a lot of word of mouth, but what should they expect? Like, I'm curious because I did I didn't know. It was like, okay, I'm gonna meet with a real estate agent. And I didn't even fully know. My mom kind of in Korean gave me this brief overview. She's like, oh, she's gonna show you some spots and then you're gonna choose which one you like, make an offer, go into escrow and close it. She made it so simple, which it is, but I just I was like, what? And the word and the escrow and the what? Like, what is that? How do you explain that? <laughs> I mean, I think back you know back in 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 a long time ago where the market hasn't been so crazy or wasn't so crazy as it is now like yeah Mm -hmm. you could you know you you see a bunch of houses that are on the market and the likelihood is that they were sitting on the market for a while so there's no one else competing and you see it you like it put an offer you negotiate and it's yours right but but now it's like it's it's like 
it's it's a battle out there it's you're, you know you're mm-hmm. fighting against all these other people who want that same house mm-hmm. um and so uh going back to your original question like how people find me or you know we 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 do we do a lot of advertising and stuff and so people see us online but by and large it's it's through referrals and um it's crazy because a lot of people are kind of end up with their agents kind of like how you did uh parents mm-hmm. told them who to use or uh the younger generation it's like hey you, you you know you click this button on redfin or in zillow and someone calls you and you can see this house and they just kind of work with them by default right which is not necessarily a good thing i wanted to get your take on that because there is a convenience factor right oh. like okay if, if somebody so-and-so like vetted them, quote unquote, which is like, let's, let's be real. What are they really vetting? It's like, There's oh, no I know, I know. Yeah. It's like, I know them. And like, that's cool. I also know so like, and yeah. like, I'm going to entrust them with this giant life decision. Um, yeah. How did, have you seen that play out? Because I'm curious, like, yeah, I have my, I have my like theories, but you're the one that's actually like working with people. And I have heard that there are I think there are success stories, but there's also a lot of people oh, yeah. that are like yeah. the convenience factor of just kind of going with whoever's available or like whoever's uh, like, especially with tech. Like, I'm curious how that exists now. It's, it's that instant gratification of our generation. It's like, oh, you, you you click a button and someone answers or they text you or they'll meet you at this house and you can see it, you know, within an hour or two hours, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, there are certainly a lot of good stories. There are a lot of good agents on these platforms. Mm-hmm. There are certainly bad agents as well. Right. Um, I, I kind of see, you know, finding an agent is like dating. You know, you have to have someone who's knowledgeable in the areas that you're looking. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there also has to be like a personality match. Yeah. Uh, not all agents can can do the um, explain everything in detail. You know, th- maybe they don't have the patience or that's just not their thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so you should take the time and like interview someone, ask some questions. Um date around yeah exactly and then and then decide who you want to work with what do you think qualifies what makes a good agent good and what makes a bad agent bad um i mean communication first of all just like is this person actually you know working for you versus like sending you listing alerts and waiting for you to go open houses um but knowledge local knowledge is very very important you know like Mm -hmm. here in the bay area uh we only work in the east bay and even in east bay there's like I don't know, seven or eight distinct areas that people oh, yeah. will, will specialize in. And so knowing, having an agent work in that area that you're looking for specifically can help you a lot because they'll know the neighborhoods better. They'll know the good and bad areas. They'll know the other agents, which honestly is probably most important in this market because they're going to help you get your offer accepted through their relationship. Can you explain that? Ooh, I new new topic discovered. With so when you so you as a realtor, you're helping them obviously find your client like based on what they're looking for. Hey, I'm a young professional. I'm not looking for like good schools or anything like that. Versus like you know, like I have kids. I'm trying to live here for the next ten years. Like everyone's needs are different, right? Mm-hmm. So like having that, that's like one portion of it. But I think the part that was the most, 
I think that was like intuitively that made sense to me. So I don't think I was like surprised by that part of the process in terms of like, okay, they get it. And also I had an, I had a real estate agent who did not know LA just FYI for mine. Oh. She, she was from Orange County, which is a very, yeah, see, so very that's exactly, different, yeah, 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 different universe. So in that way, I was educating her. I was like, I'm an actor. I want to work in film. Like here's North Hollywood. We're close to a lot of the studios. Like she didn't know any of that, you know, and yeah. she's a very wonderful woman personality wise. I think we got along and she was very helpful and, uh, earnest, but like, like you said, I didn't really consider that. Like, oh, she's not that knowledgeable about this area that I'm very serious about wanting mm-hmm. to live in. Um, so that's a good thing to point out. But so the next portion I think is like when you like enter into making an offer. That I think that part and like closing the deal and getting a lender. That part, that term, I remember it was said to me, and I was like. What does that mean? Because like, again, I've heard the words escrow, mortgage, all those things, interest rates. I've heard those words for years, but I still didn't like connect all the dots. I sound really dumb, FYI. Just fully acknowledging. Um, But I just didn't know in reality what that meant. So can you explain as if I'm a third grader, um, because you're really good at this, Ken. I was like, oh, this is why Ken's so great. (laughs) Um, When you're, if you're explaining to somebody like, Obviously, they've done their homework, but in case they hadn't, yeah. When you're trying to get a lender and a mortgage, like what? How would you explain that? So when when we go through the process with someone like yourself, you're brand new. Like if you tell us, "Hey, I don't know anything," start from the beginning with me. And so mm-hmm. we would start with, uh, you know, what we would do for you as as your agent, um, and then secondly would be to to get you connected with a lender. And we usually have like two or three lenders that we work closely with um just from from experience ones that could also explain what they do to you very well because that's their job mm-hmm. um and the, these lenders give you a high prob- probability of success when you write an offer because it's again it goes back to the relationship thing it's competitive market um people don't want to see an out of area lender or a lender that has a bad reputation or a lender they don't know they want to see a lender who they know has done tons of loans in the area um, that, you know, once they go through the pre-approval process that um, it's a legit pre-approval. So um, lender is someone who looks at your qualifications and then they, you know, they, they analyze all your paperwork um, and they tell you how much they're willing to lend you based on, you know, whatever you have down. So you can buy a home with that's a little a 0% down if you're a veteran but three and a half percent, three percent, five percent, ten, twenty, whatever it is, based on what you have available and what your finances look like, they'll tell you how much you can borrow, and then include put that together with your down payment. That's how much you can purchase. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So simple. <laughs> to me, I was like, why didn't anybody explain this to me beforehand? Like I was upset how like it can be that simple. But even then, I think. Um, I just figured I'm again fully re- transparency. How I can be very smart. I'm not saying I'm the I'm a dumb person, but in certain areas, I can be very dumb. I'm you just, just know real. what you know. Yeah, and I was not. Uh, I I wish that I had been more motivated to understand the nuts and bolts earlier. It would have helped me. But like, this is why I'm making these conversations happen to hopefully inspire people to become more curious and have it be less scary and intimidating like it was for me. I'm not saying everyone's like me, but for those who are, that's why. Um, When I learned like, oh, this is how a mortgage works, like I only have, so we can use big numbers, right? Round numbers. Say for a million dollar property house, 
which mm-hmm. somebody who's not in California is like, oh my God, the, the multiple <laughs> houses. Like a, I'm like, you can't even get one house here, babe. Yeah. Not for a million. Yeah. Um, but for a million dollars, if you're saying like 3% down, you need at least 3% for a down payment. That means you have to have 30, a lot. Yeah, $30,000 cash to like say, this is what I'm good for. Let me give you this money. And then will you give me the rest of it in the form of a mortgage payment? But yep. like that's with an interest rate. So like you're not paying back the just the mortgage. You're paying mortgage plus it, your principal pr- plus interest. Yep. That's why these rates that the Fed sets and all these like things that we've, again, I grew up hearing all the time in the news that people discussed around me. Suddenly it became very real life applicable. Yeah. It's like, oh, Oh, like that's a very big difference of like what my monthly payment is. And I was like, oh, this is like what affects like how my credit card works and da, 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 da. And that's why credit matters. And all of a sudden everything was like, credit mattered before I got a mortgage, but it mattered so much more because when you're talking about qualifications, that's what it was like suddenly being analyzed. Yeah, yeah. They're looking like how reliable and responsible is Minji? Yeah. Is she and it's, going it's to credit be... like not like credit card, you know, right. credit. It's like, do you have a history of paying things? Right. Your overall credit, which yeah, credit yeah. cards impact. Yeah. But like your student loans, all that stuff. Exactly. Impact. So luckily, I think I was lucky that I had a great credit score, but I'll say like if we're using me as a real life example and I'm fine with that, like as a freelancer and as a nonprofit employee, I was not making that much money. Mm-hmm. frankly, to be a competitive, like to be a desirable candidate for like a homeowner. Like there are way, I'll tell you, especially in California and other hotspots, I'm sure like you've seen, like there are people that are investing in property from like out of the country, out of the state, just because they want that property. Cause to them, it's like money. It's yeah. worth a lot like of money. Stable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so there are people that I was competing with in the process of me trying to get a condo. I got, I lost a lot of offers. And so they just weren't written in the stars and they weren't meant to be. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was hard for me because my income was low. And mind you, I was like working with in tandem where my parents and I were trying to buy it together. Mm-hmm. But there are things like that that were like a really big challenge for me to try to get, you know, someone to choose me basically out of the pool of all these other people were like, I'll give you like half a million dollars cash. <laughs> yeah, I I mean your your story is so, so, like like so many first time home buyers, especially younger ones, right? Because you're not you you know you're not a hundred percent established in your career. Um, you haven't had the time to earn and save money like someone who's older has. Mm-hmm. When we bought our first home. I couldn't even be on the loan. It was really Dora was on the loan because. As a real estate agent, I'm an independent contractor. I don't have a W-2. Right, and, right. And I think I had only been working for a little over a year. Uh, and like, you know, I did okay, but they, they couldn't count my income because I didn't have two years history. So, and and before that, we were investing. So that's even worse. Um, there's, there's no, there's not enough a track record. So we were limited to what we could buy based on Doris income only. Wow. And th- thankfully, she was a nurse, and you know, in California, they do well. But right, um, yeah. I mean, we 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 just qualified in her. I didn't know that. that's crazy. See, and that's what I think is so like why I think it's important for us to have as many transparent conversations about this, like real life examples, because I think we're vastly undereducated. Not to say that there's a like you said, there's so much info out there, but 
I think in general, I have a lot of commentary on our school systems, but like yeah. we're not set up for success, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and we're living in a capitalistic society. So we're constantly marketed to, to spend our money on all kinds of shit. That's like not conducive to like, you know, stability and all these other things that we also might like, because of course a vacation to Cancun is fun, but you know, if you also have a goal of becoming a homeowner, is that the best way to spend your money? Like multiple times a year going and doing all these things. So this is why I I want to like, hopefully share my story because I think it's, there's more to it and we can, we could take a quick break and come back. But um, it's just stuff like this is very real and it's very impacting to our daily quality of life. And so I'm like, yeah. I genuinely, I'm becoming that crotchety old woman. I was like, <laughs> why did anyone tell me this? <laughs> I mean, so you're doing a great thing because, you know, people, people are going to hear this and like, oh, I'm in that situation. Yeah. And you are too. Now, yeah. now we're doing this together. So thank you, yeah. Ken. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more info and also Ken's love story. <laughs> <laughs> be right back. Hey, Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out first of all pod.com or subscribe and leave a five star rating on your favorite platform or just follow me on Instagram because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support and enjoy the show. Back, Ken. How are you feeling? How are you That's feeling fun. about being on, on a podcast show? Talking That's about fine. That's fine. That's what right? I do every day, so I enjoy it. I love it. You're natural. You're very helpful. Thanks. Um. So as we were saying, a lot of us are undereducated. I want to uh, relieve anybody of any shame because I think I take the cake. I was so embarrassed. I was like, why don't I know these things? I'm not a full fledged adult, and I'm like in my mid thirties. It's very embarrassing. Honestly, Minji, I think that's better than like some people will go through a real estate transaction and just like, okay, I'll sign whatever you tell me to sign. I kind of did that though, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Real talk. That's kind of what I did. I felt better about the place that I chose, but essentially I didn't really read a lot. That's okay. It's all legal mumbo jumbo. I know. Okay. that's, that's, That's honestly, that's the truth. Like most of the stuff that comes with buying a home like it's it's not that relevant it's not that serious true my broker's gonna hate me for saying that (laughs) ken what are you doing man i mean like you know all these contracts are written by an army of lawyers they know what they're doing right yeah they know have you how would you break that down so like okay so say let's walk through a simulation right say that i'm your client we're gonna meet 
what's the average time that like, I mean, you're in East Bay and you're in the Bay Area, which is like a huge hotspot, but it's also super expensive. So I feel like there are a lot of like limitations of the pool of people that can even afford to buy there. But like, that's yes my assumption. No. You tell me yeah. if I'm wrong. No, yes and no. I mean, I think, uh, yes, home prices are very expensive here. Mm-hmm. I think we have more million dollar homes in the Bay Area than anywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not, you know, spectacular by any means. But mm-hmm. we also have like the tech industry and um, that's probably the largest pool of buyers right. because, you know, they they make good money. They make the money to be able to buy the exactly. houses. So say that I am a tech mogul. I'm manifesting this. I will be one day. Yes. Um, say I'm a tech mogul and I'm like, I want to buy a house in Oakland. I want to be in the Oakland Hills, you know, get some scenery, maybe close to Berkeley, blah, blah, blah. I come to you and then we sit down, we have a meeting and then mm-hmm. like what I just tell you my needs. How yeah, would that we, work when I'm working with you? Yeah, we talk about, you know, what you want in a home. But I think more importantly, talk about like how this home fits into your life. Like what are the things that you like to do inside, you know, at home or outside of home? What's your lifestyle like? Do you want to have like walkability? Do you like mm. going on hikes? And then this is how we fit you into a neighborhood. Mm. Uh, and it. I think that's most important. And then, of course, we talk about budget and stuff like that, because that also matters in fitting you into a neighborhood. For sure. Um, and then it's it's how how narrow of a, a, a search you want. Are you like only looking in like one or two neighborhoods or are you open to exploring in other areas? Because... I'm a drummer that likes hiking. <laughs> like, well, I'm I'm saying like specifically my even my work for real. Like I need quiet. Like and I live in an area near Birmingham Airport, and so <laughs> it's honestly a pain in my butt a lot. Um, but those are things that's why I'm glad that that's a part of the process, and it's helpful for people to think about that going in because you can say like, oh yeah, I want to live by the ocean, and like. In LA for me, it'd be like Playa Vista or whatever, Marina Del Rey, but like that's near LAX. Yeah. Are you sure? Like yeah. <laughs> given your lifestyle? So yeah. that would we, change. We ask like your we ask about your job. You know, nowadays we ask uh whether or not you're gonna have to commute back to the office or you're gonna be remote forever. Oh yeah. Um, do you bar to work? Do you have a shuttle? Do you drive? Mm. Um yeah, there's 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 a lot, a lot of these like little factors, and then this is where like the local knowledge comes in. Depending on the company that you work for, maybe one area is a little bit more accessible to you than another area. Um, but for us, like by and large, it comes down to like what neighborhood you want to be in. Right, for sure. So once we find this, how what's the average amount of time? Like, so you've identified the neighborhood. Now you're going to start sending me listings. Like you just email like, and then I start looking at them, right? That's yeah, how it so, was in LA. Yeah. So we'll send you listings. And we also like, we, through our relationships, we we know about like listings that are coming soon or sometimes they sell, people are willing to sell homes off market. Um, and then, you know, the time that it takes from our first meeting to when we find you a house and get into contract really varies. Like sometimes uh, I've had clients where first house we showed, wrote an offer, Got it. And that was it. Never looked at another house. Dang. Um, and then there's other people Do who are what like. what they wanted. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, people are more specific. It takes a year or more. Yeah. They're just patient. Interesting. And they, they have like a living situation where they're not rushing. They don't have exactly. to rush out. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's a big like determining factor too, where like, you know, um, the moms with like the second kid on the way or third kid on the way, those are the ones that are like, I need a house yesterday. 
<laughs> Find me we are one overflowing with people right here. Right now. There's, there's diapers everywhere. There's toys everywhere. I need out right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So then we find the house. So say, so say that you and I took five months. I was a little patient. I wasn't too impatient, but I wanted to go within less than a year. Yeah. So then we find a house. The seller loves me because I'm a fabulous tech mogul. And they're like, yes, her. I choose her. Cause there's going to be, I'm imagining. It can, what's the average amount of like offers that can go in for like the properties that you I mean, nowadays show? it's like anywhere from a handful to like 10-ish. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So then you, basically in layman's search, you have 10, potentially like 10 competitors. Yep. All wanting to buy this one thing. And then it's up to the seller, right? The seller's like. Yeah, they're going to pick the best offer for them. Can I tell you my offer story that I think is really cool? Yeah. I learned. Um, this is revealing my, um, toxic masculinity and the patriarchy that's embedded in my brain. When I met the, the, when I came to look at my condo now is a man who I found out later is the developer of the building. Um, but I didn't know that at the time, but like he was selling it very well. He was like telling me all the nice things. It's a beautiful space. He was, you know, it's top floor corner unit, like beautiful view from the balcony storage unit, biggest one in the building, all this stuff. Right. Uh-huh. And um, so I was totally enamored by it and he did a good job. So I was like totally sucking up to him. I was like, Oh my God, I like I did. He's like, so what do you do? You know, he's getting to know me. It's like, well, I'm, I'm a, I run a nonprofit in my head. I was like, I don't make that much money, but I run a nonprofit. Um, and I'm doing all this stuff. I'm an actor. I want to work in film. So I was like doing a good job selling myself to him. And then there's a, a woman there too. And she was like, you know, welcoming, like we're looking at it together. The space itself was kind of a wreck because the girls that lived here were like not clean, but I could see the potential and like all this stuff is all gravy. This place, my down payment offer was pretty low. Well, not low. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like that appealing. You I guess. A tech mogul money yet? Yeah, I was not yeah. tech mogul money or not a Hollywood yeah. mogul yeah. money yet. That's all right. Um, but I actually had to go back to my parents, which was like really, really anxiety ridden for me because I didn't want to ask my parents for more money because they're already like putting a lot of money down, and I knew that this is like their retirement egg, if you will. But then we did it. And then um, because I already heard through my realtor, I was like, oh, shoot. She's like, there's somebody that's offering half cash for this place. So I already knew because all the places I was looking at, Ken, like they're all disappearing between. They're like vanishing in my fingers as soon as I was like, okay, let's put it in an offer because I was feeling frantic and time constrained. But they're all vanishing. So I was like, this place is the best of all the places I've seen. I want to make an offer ASAP. Don't want to lose it. But she already came back with the intel like, okay, there's somebody making an all cash offer. I'm a half cash offer and it's down to you and that person. And I was freaking out. I was like, how the hell am I going to compete with someone (laughs) that's like offering half cash? Like I don't have that. Nothing close to it. Fast forward. I got it. And I was stunned because I was like, how did I get it? Because in my mind, I was like, there's no way. I found out later when I was in escrow and talking with the seller he chose, he, they chose me because his wife, I didn't know it was his wife. Uh-huh. That was the woman I was talking to. Uh-huh. I think I figured, I figured she was like his colleague. They were familiar, but I didn't yeah. know it was his wife. She liked me. She was like, I really like that girl. She's smart. She's like, this is her home. Yeah. So she fought with her husband. <laughs> 
to give it to me because he wanted to obviously go with the guy who had half cash. He's like, easy, no brainer. She's like, no, absolutely not. You're selling it to that girl. So clutch wife came in. I was like, I'm so dumb. I'm part of the problem. I was sucking up to the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) I should have been talking to the wife and I didn't know his wife. But like, anyway, it was a really funny story. And I was like very blown away by that because you never know what will like get you the place. You know, they could just really like your family. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, like people get disappointed when they lose an offer, but I'm a firm believer that you end up in the home that is right for you at that moment. I think that's a good positive outlook. Did you see, uh, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've had to console clients, right? Who are like really upset. That yeah. They- I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I try to lay it all out in the beginning. It's like, Hey, this market is absolutely brutal. Like i you know, if, this is not for the faint of heart. This is not like, and, and, and our, you know, our market is just so unique. Um, asking prices are just like irrelevant. Like it might as well be a penny um, mm. because everything's expected to sell hundreds of thousands of dollars over. So it's like, hey, you can't go into this thinking that I'm paying X percentage over asking. You're going to pay what the home is worth. And so if one home may be worth 10 or 20% over asking, another one may be worth 100% over asking. It will go for it, that. It totally just screws with your head about like value, and like it just it the the whole process is a mess. But it it in the beginning we just you know hey look, we'll give you the best information possible, right? Uh, we'll lay the expectations down, and it's one of those things where like sometimes people don't necessarily believe you when you tell them until they experience it themselves. So like exactly. you know you get a you get a freebie or two. Uh, and you get to write the <laughs> offer that you want to write that we know is not going to get accepted. Uh, we, we know we know what if your offer is not going to get accepted. And so but the experience teaches you something. And then we come back, regroup and then like, hey, look, we have to approach this from a different way now. Mm. Um, now that you see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And usually it turns out, well, we, you know, most clients that we work with, um, we don't write more than three or four offers for them. Interesting. So we're not, when you hear these stories of like people writing 20 or 30 offers or, you know, searching for a year or two and just constantly losing, that's a different issue. So um, you think that's a sign of a bad realtor? They're not like strategizing well or like not doing their their job well because you shouldn't could, have to? It could be, it, it could be a number of factors. It could be a mm-hmm. bad realtor. It could be a bad, you as a, it could be you as a bad buyer. Like you're just not being realistic. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You're just not, you're not being flexible to like what reality requires of you (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot of people who are you know there's a lot of people i'm not gonna pay a penny over asking like oh well you know i'm sorry this market is not for you bruh my dude my guy my girl no (laughs) oh honey no it's not gonna work that way yeah wow how do you deal with someone that difficult if they're like that do you i mean they do they eventually just get the picture and they're like all right we're out but like you spend so much energy like writing offers to someone who's not gonna you know i be on earth I've gotten to this point in my career where like, I, you know, I, I love to help people. Um, but I've gotten to this point in my career where I, I have to value my time a certain way. And if someone's not being realistic, you know, I'll give them a chance, but if they, if they're not willing to adapt and change, then, you know, we just, Hey, you know, um, you may, we can refer you to someone else or you may have to find someone else to help you. Good for you. I think that's, that's such a smart, that's a very, it's a good way to preserve your expertise, your your value as like you don't have time to like entertain everybody. 
Yeah. And especially people are not going to work with you. They're not being collaborative. It's just like, all right, yeah. you take care. I mean, yeah, just it's it's really, you know, we, we really do want to help people. But if if you're not willing to to like see what's in front of you and like listen to our advice, then it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's going to be very tough for you. Right. And they'll get their consequences elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the original simulation that we're in. So we spent our five months. The The seller chose me. I'm mm-hmm. the chosen one. My awesome mogul self. And so now we enter escrow, right? Yep. How do you explain escrow? <laughs> so, escrow is always a tough one. Es- I know. So the, the, escrow, so the escrow company. So in some states, depending on where you guys are listening from, in some states, they don't use escrow companies. They use yeah. like closing attorneys. In California, we use uh, an escrow company and an escrow officer. And so the escrow officer is like a third party. They don't actually deal with anything contractual. They're like the the person that is connecting buyer and seller and moving the transaction forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're going to make sure that to to make sure that the property is okay to be transferred from the from the seller to the new owner. Meaning, there's no liens, there's no issues with the title. Um, and that uh, if the buyer, if, once the buyer takes possession, there's not going to be any, they're not going to uh, have anything come up and, you know, unexpected. Um, they'll work with a lender to make sure that the loan gets funded. You put your deposit, your down payment in, and then they'll pay off the the seller's existing mortgage or any fees. And then the seller gets their money at the end. That's a very, very short and simple way of explaining it. Probably would take much, much longer. But um <laughs> The, the the very next step once you're in escrow as a buyer is to put your deposit in, in, into escrow. So it's typically 3%. It shows the seller that, hey, I have some skin in the game. If I change my mind after I've removed my contingencies, I could lose that deposit. So it's kind of like, hey, I, you know, I'm 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 putting something at risk. I'm being very serious right now. I'm going exclusive with you. <laughs> it's like the dating is stopped. We're we're committed now. Yeah. Or showing commitment. I would imagine. How would you like what can you explain contingencies too? Because that was a word that scared me. Um so it in, in the Bay Area, how I explain contingencies is that uh you don't get any. Mm. Uh, because oh. <laughs> most of the offers here are uh written with no contingencies. That's true. Cause uh, again, if you don't want it, somebody else does. Someone get else it. would write it with so so yeah, part of, of our <laughs> Part of our like initial meeting would be like explaining contingencies and why you need to waive them in most scenarios. Got it. Okay. It's, in a non-Bay Area scenario, what do you say contingencies so, are? So there's three main contingencies, loan, appraisal, and inspection. And it's essentially the amount of time that you need to satisfy that particular contingency. So for loan, it's how much time you, your lender and you need to get your loan approved. Mm. For the appraisal is how much time does the lender need to send an appraiser out to 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 do to, to issue a valuation on a property? Mm-hmm. Inspection is how much time you need to do your inspections: home, pest, roof, you know, HOA documents, foundation inspections, <laughs> all that. Um, and so, when you have these time frames, you know, 10, 12, 20 days, whatever it is, you have that many days to perform whatever tasks you need to perform. Um, while you have these contingencies, your deposit that you've put into escrow in the beginning is. If you change your mind, you can cancel your contract, you get a deposit back. But the moment you've removed all of your contingencies, now that deposit is at risk. If you decide to cancel the contract, then you can lose your deposit. Got it. Just say bye-bye. Yeah. 
Yep. And that I would say that contingency thing for people that it does apply to, because clearly it doesn't in the Bay Area. Um, there's a lot there that like, again, I, I if I had done my homework properly and if I knew like the questions that I would have asked, um, I just kind of really put a lot of full faith into my realtor and like the fact that she's somebody that my mom's friend knew. Like that's literally how we got our realtor from uh-huh. Orange County who doesn't know LA and this area and whatever. But she does know homes. So, you know, she's not like not, yeah, yeah. she knows what to do. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Just like the lack of information that I had about this lawsuit that I was dealing with or that had been dealt with in this building, Uh because if I had investigated, I did see it on one of the giant stacks of paper that I signed. And like, (laughs) I did see it and I was like, what's this about? What's this lawsuit? Like multi-million and she's like, oh yeah, that's already resolved. Like da, 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 da. So it was, I just remember that it was very briefly, kind of like explained if you want to even call it that. Yeah. And then kind of glossed over. And I will say like the feeling that I walked away with, I don't think anyone was being malicious about it, but I can say it felt like they all cared about getting their piece of the pie, like everyone getting their money yeah. with like not informing me as the buyer. Yeah. There was a lot more there to be discussed. And there's a lot more in that contingency in terms of like, Um, Not the appraisal per se, but like people investigating all the details of this property to make sure that it's a good purchase for me, right? Yeah. And I think my, what I was so wounded over and like pissed about was that like, I walked away being like, y'all are hella greedy, like vulture ass mother. Like I was so mad at how little my like sanity mattered because once escrow closed, like all hell broke loose in my life. So. Asking, I I wish I had been armed with better questions. I wish I had been more into the fine print. Obviously, like, I totally agree with you. It's a lot of like, like a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. But in there, there are things that could like really screw you over if you don't yeah. learn like, okay, they have a pest problem. They have mold. They have like a psycho HOA where they're like really fighting over a lot of things. And like, that'll include your new home that you're buying. Yeah. Those are things to like, I hope people can spend their their time to look into. I was very trusting. Like I was I was kind of like naive. And I was like, oh, they they got my back. They did yeah. not. Not so fully. Here's just and I'll I'll play devil's advocate. Um uh-huh. on and I'll talk about both sides. I think that there are certainly really greedy real estate agents out there. I mean, don't get me wrong. There there are a lot of good ones, but there are a lot of bad ones who couldn't care less about what happens to you after deal closes. Right. Um, I think a lot of times real estate agents also forget that this is your first time. And and while like, you know, I talk about this construction defect litigation, like it's normal, right? Because I, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we forget that, oh, this is your first time dealing with it. And we don't you know, so agents don't take the time to like walk you through it in detail. Right. Um, and this is this really is where, you know, picking your agent matters. Like as a first time home buyer uh, on something like this, like you really should have someone that has the patience who's going to go through all of this with you. Mm-hmm. I agree. A thousand percent. That would have yeah. helped. And it sucked because I walked away just trusting people less. Yeah. I was like, you guys got your cut and like left me to the wolves. That's how I felt. Um, on the radical responsibility side, could I have asked more questions? Absolutely. Like I I'm, I was kicking my own butt for sure. Being like, why didn't you look into this more? Why didn't you, why did you just trust them? Blah, 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 blah. Those so are like, overwhelmed. 
yeah, I was really, really overwhelmed. Um, and I honestly, I'll say even as like, uh, this comes to like the young person part, which I do think like a lot of people listening, I don't know how established my listeners are, but like, imagine there's going to be a lot of first time buyers out there. Um, just again, the concept and where I was financially, I was trying to cobble together whatever finances I could to like prove that I pay my bills on time. So I had a great credit score, but my income was like, again, it was more like you, right? Ken, like I I didn't have like a really s- strong case to be like, I'm super financially stable because I had like a salary, which was on my side, but it was a lower salary for the type of kind of property I was trying to get. Mm-hmm. And then trying to like add in all my freelance stuff. Like I'm trying to stitch this very like compelling story together <laughs> with like everything. They're like, do you have additional uh, assets? Do you have additional bank accounts? And I was like, nope, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was hard. So, I mean, that was the headspace that I was in trying to like prove myself and then to like, then also go into the nitty gritty while also trying to like stay afloat and still keep working throughout this whole process. Yeah, It was a lot. It was yeah. a lot for me to like be like, oh, was it, yeah. Was it all worth it in the end? Well, I now have fabulous uh, research in order to uh, write my show, which yeah. it's <laughs> it's actually healed my my relationship with my dad because uh, not healed it. He's been really against me being in, in Hollywood, Kent. And like I had this, I was like, I'm going to write, I want to write about what I've experienced and like in a broader story. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, do it. And like suddenly he's like a big advocate of me. Oh, that's great. Being in Hollywood. Um, But yeah, I went through, I went through some stuff, went through all of this, this huge fight with my HOA over some of the stuff that was minorly brought up during the contingency contingency thing. Mm -hmm. But then I glossed over it. I didn't think it was a big deal. So I kind of just one year out the other. And then as soon as escrow closed for me, I think it was a long escrow that that limbo period was like 60 days, which is longer. Yeah, that's pretty pretty long. Yeah, because they had to like get the girls out, then like blah, 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 all this stuff. So I agreed to it. And then, uh, yeah, it all hell broke loose as soon as I got the keys, man. It was bad. It was just (laughs) drama. And then they're like, these people that I was like ultra, ultra chummy with, like, hey, neighbor, like being all mingy about it. I was like, hi, I'm mingy. Like, I'm new, da, 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 da. And they're like, yeah, you can't be here. They're like, lecture. I was like, so taken aback. And I felt so scared coming home every day. Oh, man. Cause yeah, the HOA was basically like, I inherited the previous owner's drama, basically. That's the long and short of it. Oh. And I had to deal with oh, a that's... lot in my first six months. So ask questions. Hopefully that's all behind you. <laughs> well, is that plot like scary twist. drama? It wasn't, it felt scary. Again, like what I try to contextualize with everyone is like, it feels scary because it's brand new and you don't know what's happening. For now, if that happened to me now, after what I've been through, I'd be like, uh, this is annoying, but I'll deal with it. Yeah. It would be a non, not a non-issue, but at the time I was terrified and I was really, because they were like surveilling me they're like issuing fines on me. Like these faceless neighbors of mine were like bullying me. I felt, I was like, I'm trying to ask questions it, to be compliant and y'all are not answering me. You're just sending me fine notices. Was this that, all from like the, the previous owner stuff? Yeah. Cause he had oh. all this drama that he basically ignored. Oh. He just, he didn't answer them. He played, it was like a game of chicken. He just didn't answer them. Cause he wasn't living in the building. He was renting it out to these three you know, innocent yeah. renter girls. So 
Again, this, this is all the stuff that can happen as a homeowner that I didn't know about. And I was like, oh, my dad was right. That's why he said <laughs> HOA is terrible. But uh, plot twist, um, I'm on the HOA board now. <laughs> oh, now you're going to change it from within. Well, I'm learning. I mean, yeah, that's a, we could do a whole. This is why I'm trying to write about some of these things because I, I learned a lot. But this is why I think what you do is so important, Ken, because if you're able to empower somebody and educate them and have the patience and like, and the non-patients where it matters to like get them to act on their own behalf. I think that's such a incredibly important role that you're playing. And you're playing one role of many roles in this whole transaction. But I think for the ones that are like new to it and like not knowing, it's so like, it's a huge deal. Like yeah, it is, I would it want it to be like a good thing. <laughs> it should It should be a good thing. I mean, like yeah. everyone should end, you know, walk away from it feeling good. How, how have you, how has it like, cause you're a homeowner yourself and then you also like work with all these other buyers. Like how has it shaped your life? Cause now you're, and also I'm totally doing this to Weaseling cause I want to know how, if you want to share how you and Dora fell in love and like became a family now, a beautiful family <laughs> of four, I'm here for it. Cause this is also like you as, as a professional, but this is you as a person too. And you as also your not only the person like handling transactions, you're the person that's also like living it. You bought a home. Yeah. You know, you have one with your family and we changed so much in our lives. Curious, like that part of your story, if you're open to sharing it. Yeah. So Dora and I bought our first home the same year that we got married. Um, really? Yeah. We, we were like, well, we're just going to do all of this stuff all at the same time. Um, I don't know. I so we we started looking we put in one offer we lost and then the second offer we're just like well you know we're, we're getting married soon so we should have our own place mm. and um if uh if we don't get this offer accepted we're just gonna we're just gonna rent because we have this wedding in front of us and we should be really focusing on that um i was living in dublin saw a house in the same neighborhood i think the day it came on the market i went to go see it first i'm like hey dora we're gonna write an offer <laughs> this this is this is actually a pretty common theme in, in in our marriage now. Like we we buy and sell other property, and a lot of times it's just, hey, babe, we're gonna buy this. Just, okay. Wow, that's uh, so much trust. I love that. That's also like scary as hell, but like yeah. Wow. Second second house was this exact same way, but uh, anyways. Um. So I I told her to go look. It was I think it was like it came on the market on like a Wednesday or Thursday and they had brokers to run Thursday. And I'm like, hey, just go just go stop in and look real quick and see if it's OK. You know, it's like it's it's a track home. So there's it's just more of like what the finishes are like and stuff. Um, she's like, oh, I can live here. I'm like, OK. So <laughs> being an agent, um, you know, this is where like the things that you do matter. Uh, I wrote the offer, had her sign it. I printed it and I showed up to the end of his broker store with an offer in hand. Wow. Uh, he's like, I'm, you know, it's like super aggressive. He's like, no one's ever done it before. He wouldn't Damn take an offer. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't? No, he wouldn't. He's like, the home's been on market for one day. Um, but I will like, say that <laughs> just like your story, it left an impression on him. And so he stayed in contact and, um, you know, I, I forgot how many offers they got at the time. It, it was a good amount, but he stayed in contact and he's like, hey, look, this is where we're at. And he told the seller, he was friends with the seller. He's like, hey, look, this couple wants, really wants this house. And I think he made us like a counter offer and we accepted. And we're like, okay, that's good enough for us. Wow. Look at you, Ken, handling business. Yeah. I love so, it. Can you, can we backtrack also? Yeah. 
Because I just also think, and I actually never heard your side of the story. I heard everything from Dora's side because Dora was my original friend. Um, you're quickly thereafter because we were all in the same friend, friend group. But yeah. when I understood this is so not related to real estate, but don't worry, I'll connect the dots. Yeah. Um, when you and Dora, you guys were friends yep. first. This is purely love story segment. Um, you guys were friends first and you guys were friends for a while, right? How many years were you friends before it happened? I'm so bad at this year thing. It, it was a while. I mean, we were friends for a while. I mean, like, it, we we can we can we can like talk about in like snowboarding years or like uh, trips or something like. Yeah. Uh, but I I don't know. We were friends for at least uh, four years, five years maybe. When did you fall in love with her? How many of those years were you madly in love with our beautiful uh, Dora? I think at least two or three. Like I I. I you know, I just had a strong feeling about her. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, she said no to me a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, so we went out as friends. We went snowboarding a lot together. We went, you know, clubbing together and stuff like that. And so we hung out a lot. But, you know, it's always as friends. Right. Um, and it's just it's it's it's, uh, it's one of those things where, like, I had been, like, pursuing her for so long. And at some point, I was just like, you know what? I'm kind of done with this. Mm. And I was like, at the same time, she's like, you know what? What am I doing? <laughs> and, and, and she changed her mind. It was the timing. It was like exact, exactly the same time that I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. And she's like, oh, you know what? I should give him a chance. She's like, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> it is, to this day, one of my favorite stories because I witnessed, I was like, with you guys, we all went snowboarding together. And like, I could see and feel the love. I'm telling you, as like the side, the sideline you know, audience member. See, I wasn't imagining it. I, no. That's what I thought too. Ken, you guys were... See, you I guys, was right. I was right. And I, what I thought was so beautiful was because the friendship was so strong. And I could tell that Dora cared about you. But I also know as like, as a woman and as like a person, like you just don't, it doesn't automatically click, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, it can take a minute. And I'm very big believer in like energies and like things happening in the right timing. Yep. Um, and I saw the the relationship between you guys evolve, you know, over the months. Well, in the years, because I was, yeah, yeah and you guys for like a couple of years before that, that, yep. that flip, that switch flipped. Yep. And it was a really beautiful thing to witness because it was a little bit of its own like divine miracle. Because it was like literally the day that you're like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I'm done. And Dora was really having this like epiphany of like, I really love, Ken. I love, I like Ken a lot and I need to try to give it, this It literally a shot. was the same day. It was like on a snowboarding trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing brings love out like, um, you know, freezing cold mountains yeah. and like some McDonald's and in and out after, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, that's the recipe. So since you guys, and then since then, I mean, I feel like it was just such a beautiful love story watching you guys, like just, I feel like. Ken, you're just like the happiest person. <laughs> I feel like you got, you know, you got your woman. You like, we all knew how much you cared about her. And so, and it was really wonderful for like Dora to let you in and like you guys embark on this journey. And it, it was this drastic shift from you guys being like just buddy buddies to being like madly in love. But I'm curious like to how that fits in like the larger trajectory, because I think this is also a key component. I told you I'd bring it back, right? Yeah. Um like when when you were making the decision to like get married and have a family and all that stuff, mm. it is said, you know, and I've I've experienced this in my different serious relationships that like when you talk about money and you make these like plans together, it can be really 
a big test, right? For like a couple, for partners to be able to like navigate such a big decision. You're committing to like a location, right? You're figuring out all these different lifestyle elements of like prioritizing school and like, and then you have to talk about like, are we going to have kids? How many do you want to have? Like, And that shifts. How did you guys, because that's something I'm curious about. I'm not there yet. I don't have like uh, my life partner yet. Um, How did you guys navigate that? Because I want, anyone out there who may be dealing with that to understand like how somebody had to do it. Can you, can, are you open to sharing that? Like how yeah, you, and Dora, yeah. like- I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know there, if there's much to share. I mean, we, we kind of, um, we're kind of on the same page a lot and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably a, a balance between our personalities, but, uh, she was living in daily city and I was living in Dublin and you know, I, I'm biased. He's space better. <laughs> <laughs> um, you I'm know, with you. I've lived in both ex- areas. Exactly, the weather's so much nicer. It is, uh, and you know, I think eventually she finished school and uh, she was working in East Bay anyway. So we decided to buy an East Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and same, same with the the family and the kids and stuff. Like you know, our, our our thought process evolves, but we discuss things a lot. And um, honestly, I think a lot of it's like spontaneousness. <laughs> Because really? we moved again, uh, we, we, we're in our second house now, mm. um, but our second house was like, we were not looking for a home. It just happens to be that, you know, I'm in real estate and I constantly look at things and like, oh, yeah. this is kind of nice. Let's go look at it. Oh, we can do this and this and this. And and, and, and it ended up being the same thing. She looked in there and it's like, well, I don't see it. But if you say so. Wow. That's Dora, girl. I love that. I love that about you guys. So she had just had like complete trust in you. Yeah. Yeah. She, she does. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. I think that may be that, that may be the answer to what I'm asking. I think like trust and communication are, I mean, that's the hallmark to any good relationship. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she knows that wouldn't lead her down the wrong road. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. I'm so happy because also like the fact that you work in it. I mean, if if I was like with somebody that that's literally what they live and breathe every day. But I also think that it comes to like you you showing Dora how much you care about her and like how much you would you know her taste. Right. Like, you know her who she is. And so I don't think you would you would you would not lead you guys the wrong way because you wouldn't choose a place that, you know, would be like completely uncomfortable and unlivable for her. Yeah. I mean, we talked about what, you know, at that time we had Ellie, our first, and we knew eventually we we're going to need more space. Um, mm-hmm. She was, I think she was working in San Leandro. So we wanted to move a little closer for her work and my work. And so the the conversations were there. We just weren't expecting to make a move. Got it. So you were preparing before you needed to make any move. So when the move came, you're ready. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. That's pretty clutch. You guys are such a badass couple. I just have to say. <laughs> you, and you got a good one. I'm a huge fan of Dora. Like Dora intimidated the crap out of me when we became friends. I like when she she opened up and said hi to me. I was like, oh, my God. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a very she's a very she's not like the most. Uh, I'm definitely 80 times louder than her as a person. But she's very definitive as like a woman. She knows what she wants. Yep, she's very yep. clear. You got a good one, Ken. I think you. I do. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. I love it. I love it. And congratulations on the on the second one. I'm so happy for you. 
the second Thank baby. Um, we, I think there's some things I trailed off of that I apologize. And so, I have some listeners be like, you didn't conclude your thing, but I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to respect Ken's time. Um, and I have a few questions that, uh, to close out every episode with my guests, if yep. you're if you're open to it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so first, before we go into that part, I want to thank you because this was like super calming for me. I, I'm sure because the previous episodes in this season, I've been like really like flying off the handle, getting all worked up about a lot of things. I think this is the most like zen <laughs> episode I've done. So I credit you of like your demeanor, your expertise, and you're like you're such a great listener. Um, so thank you, Ken. Thank You're you wonderful. Uh, we'll start with our lightning round and then I'll leave you with the last word on that because that's the last question. But what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for my family. Your just, beautiful family. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I that's, uh, that's, that's who I work for. Oh, I love it. You're doing a great job. Um, what are you looking forward to? Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, you know? We're going to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Also the perk of living in California. Everyone's like, why do you guys live in California? It's like, because I can get to Hawaii in a few hours. In five hours. Thank you. It's been so long since. I mean, we, we went recently, but it's been it's been a while since we had like a good long vacation. Good. I'm glad. What's a long vacation for you? Like a week or two. Hey. But we're going for a week. Do it. I'm I'll so glad. That. I hope you have a blast. Um, last question is, what do you want to leave with our listeners today? What advice and closing words do you want to share? Uh, you know, if, if we're, we're talking about home ownership, like it's it doesn't have to be scary. Um, mm. It's one of those things that you prep yourself for and... You know, over the long run, everything will be fine. Like we're in like this crazy chaotic market and maybe it's reaching a top. Maybe it's not. But over the long run, it'll be fine. That's so reassuring. And I'm kicking my own butt. You know what? I'm going to take creative liberties here. I'm sorry. I lied. I said that's the last word, but it's not. I want to close this out because we do have people that we are living in this really crazy economic time where I think there is a lot of like wealth disparity. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, I'm like totally thwarting the end. Um, how how do you, I'm asking on behalf of a lot of people, how can we approach this whole real estate thing and this whole home ownership thing, the pressures of that, when a lot of us are like, as millennials and Gen Zs are not making the kind of money that we may have been hoping for. Yeah. Um, do you still think that it's a, it's a, it's a, there's ways for that to be attainable. Do you think that that's changing? I, I think it is changing, especially in the Bay Area where, I mean, California in general, where everything is just so expensive that, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can have a very, very good career. I mean, like a lot of doctors and lawyers come out of school and they make good money, but they're, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and they can't yeah. buy a house. Right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think we can do uh, to help people own homes, but mm-hmm. I, I also truly believe in responsible home ownership. Like, I, I don't think that you should, you know, set out to own a home just to like check off uh, an item off of your list. Um, so true. I think that, you know, if you're in the right place in the right time, then it makes sense, then you should do it. 
Um, yeah. The last thing you want is, I mean, that's that's like the the, the last market crash is like, you know, peop, everyone buying homes. Mm-hmm. It's a changing world. Sure I, I, I love that you emphasize that because I do think if it's just like this check mark thing and like we're scrambling for that because it's something we feel like we're supposed to do, but we're not really ready for it or yeah. it doesn't like fit genuinely like fit our lifestyle, which you were, I love that you talked about that. Like why you talk with your clients so thoroughly about what is your life? You know, what yeah. do you want? Because if it doesn't make sense, you're going to have a very, very big financial obligation to something that's really not right for you. Yeah. And, and so like, I love that I say that. A lot of, I mean, our, I think our generation were like, like yourself, like you, you're, you know, you're exploring your careers, you're, you're not sure where you're going to settle. That's why a lot of millennials don't buy homes because mm-hmm. they want the freedom. The mm-hmm. moment you buy a home, you're you're kind of you know you're stuck a little bit, right? So that's so true. So we're not closing on like your gratitude. I love that you shared that. So thank you. So this is a very like <laughs> this is the first episode that I've been like, no, we have to talk about because I was like, I have the wise Ken here. Like we have to talk about it. Yeah, I love that you shared that, and it's still I think it's still hopeful. Um, and I th- I think what we're saying as the elder, we're now the elder millennials. Again. <laughs> uh, don't don't do things just because you feel like you have to and you're supposed to and like be thoughtful about those things. And if you still want to like, absolutely. I and I love that you shared the ways that people can what things to consider um, so that they can be best like equipped for success in that area, like so yeah. that you can make a something that you feel like a purchase that you feel good about. Yeah. And also I'm going to hit you up because I'm going to be like, investment properties, do tell. Anyway, that's another conversation. Anytime. (laughs) Ken, it Uh, was so great having you here. Thank you so much. It was great to catch up. Yeah, seriously. I I would love to, my parents, like my family, well, my brother is actually now in the Bay Area, but I don't come up to the Bay that much anymore, but I would still love to see you guys. We're like setting up a friend date right now on yeah. air. But um, I would love to see you guys and say hi to the kids and um, congratulations on everything you're doing. And also really, okay, this you, you do get the final word. How can people find you and your work and learn? Um, our website is youreastbayhome.com and then our hand, Instagram handle is the same at youreastbayhome. Awesome. Please go check it out, everybody. And yeah, many more clo- listings and closings close deals for you. Thank you. Thank you. Wish upon. Thank you, Ken. Thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode, talking about homeownership and real estate realness with Ken Er. Thank you, Ken, for being such a great guest. Please go check out his work. Uh, Follow along with his newsletters, his video content. Even if you do not reside in the East Bay area or plan to live there, honestly, it's just really great educational information. It's really helped me, even in Southern California, like just understand and learn real estate and things to keep an eye out for. So we'll have links to all that in the description if you want to follow along. And uh, yeah, educate yourselves. I hope that this episode, if anything, just encourage you to become more aware of the market and how things work so that you can make your decision. You don't have to own a home. You can just rent for life. Like, why not? But the more you know, when shooting starts. Thank you to my audio engineer and producer, Marvin Yue. Thank you and a loving farewell to Anna Sun, my producer, who is off having baby number two. Thank you to Juliana Deer, my social media manager. And if you'd like to support, first of all, please go to firstofallpod.com and find links to my Patreon and other links to contribute. 
Thank you to my Patreon patrons. I love you guys so much. Thank you for your support along this very crazy, wonderful journey. If you'd like to reach out, you can email firstofallpod at gmail.com. You can follow along on Instagram, firstofallpod, and my personal page is at Minjeezy. And please do leave a five-star review on your platform of choice. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, it does help. It means a lot to me to see my listeners and fans like leave a little mark of appreciation. It does make the podcast easier to find. Um, I did rank in the top 100 on Good Pods. I think I was like number 50 in mental health podcast which is amazing i'm super super touched and blown away it's wonderful so yeah those reviews do help so please do leave a five-star review if you're enjoying the show and share it with a friend honestly these are supposed to be little tidbits to help inspire people to learn more so feel free to share it with a friend if you'd like and thank you to uzu hunt for his uh song uzu trap for our intro and our outro this week is my girl samika she has a new song called stumble home she has a beautiful voice, such a cool vibe. I've known her since our collaboration LA days and I'm just so amazed by her work. So I hope that you enjoy it. I will talk to you guys soon next week with our new episode. And in the meantime, you take care of yourselves and I'll talk to you soon. I love you. Bye. Somebody pinch me and my life I feel something changing tonight I know you've been waiting to hear me say it You being sober and no excuse Now I'm feeling braver, excuse my behavior When I stumble home to you Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Remen and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lun Yang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. Modern Minorities.